0: While they receive the offering, I need you guys to pull out two things. We're going to pull out two things. Normally we just pull out one thing. We're going to pull out two things this morning. We're going to do something a little bit different. First, pull out your Bible. You are going to need a Bible this morning. So pull out your Bible. If you didn't bring your Bible, there's a blue Bible underneath the seat you are sitting in. Reach down, pull that out. You are going to want that Bible. So make sure you pull that out. We always pull that out. But then the second thing I need you to pull out, once you have your Bible out, you can kind of set it aside for a second. I want you to pull out your phone. Okay, I know, weird, I promise, it's gonna be okay. Pull out your phone. If you got a smartphone, uh, pull that out. If you don't have a smartphone, man, more power to you. You're my hero, Um, but you're gonna sit this one out. If you have a smartphone, go ahead and pull, pull that out. I have a question I'm gonna ask you this morning. And we're going to answer using our phones. Now, before I ask the question, before we do anything, let me just tell you this. No one, You're not going to give us your phone number. You're not going to give us your email. No one's going to steal anything from you. I promise you, you're not going to get a text or a phone call. You're not going to get anything from us. I just need help answering a question, okay? So we're going to do this together. Um, here's what we're going to do. Get your phone. I want you to be completely honest with us on this too, okay? Don't think you're better than you are like we always do because you're really, really not. Just be honest with yourself and be honest with us. One single question, all right? Here's what we're going to do. All right, you're going to go. You're going to have your phone. And you're going go to go to menti.com, M-E-N-T-I.com. Let's do this together. Here we go. M-E-N-T-I dot com. You guys there? Get there. When you get there, you're going to enter in this code. 46, 53, 55. Not a lottery number, a code. All right. 46, 53, 55. When you enter that code, there's the question. The question is this. How often do you currently read the Bible? Now, be honest. Every day, every week, about once a month, less than once a month. Totally totally anonymous. Okay. Every day. Every day every week, about once a month, less than once a month. Okay, so for those of you a little bit slower, menti.com, M-E-N-T-I.com, 46, 53, 55 is the code. And then there's the question, it'll pop up for you. Look, there it is, and it shows me in real time, right there on my computer. It's amazing, it's amazing. Really, Bob? Just kidding, it's anonymous, I can't, I can't see anything. I just see numbers. Um, yeah, so go ahead and keep, keep doing that. If you haven't already finished that, go ahead and do that. Um, we are beginning a brand new series this morning um, in Psalm 119. Psalm 119. So if you got your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Psalm 119. I already lost my page. Psalm 119 is where we're gonna be. Psalm 119 is super easy to find. All you gotta do is just let your Bible fall open to the middle, just kind of open it right to the middle and let it fall open and boom, there you are, Psalm 119. Um, It's easy to find because it's the largest Psalm. It's right in the middle of your Bible, super simple to find. Um, If you have the blue Bible and you can't find it, it's on page 568, 568. All right, so we asked an important question this morning. How often do you read your Bible? And the reason why we asked that question is because we want to measure an important goal for the year. A goal for the year that we're announcing this morning here at Flourishing Grace is every person, every day. So we're launching a new series this morning, all month long, all of August, called Every Person, Every Day. The goal is that every single person at Flourishing Grace, every man, every woman, and even every child, every family, would be in the Word together every day. Every man, woman, and child, every person would be in the Word every day by the end of the year. So we want to re-ask this question. Come December, we're going to ask this question again. And, And the hope is, the hope is, is that as we work on this all year long and keep this in front of us all the year long and provide you guys with resources all year long, that this question... The answer to this question will be drastically different. And so we're beginning this series in Psalm 119. And we're not even going to scratch the surface of Psalm 119 over the, over the next uh, four or five weeks here at Flourishing Grace because um, it's so big, it's so weighty, it's so massive. But we're going to wade into this series on reading the Bible. Now, this is not um, a series on I mean, what the Bible is, right? We've, we've done that before. And we actually have a class called uh, Bible Study 101 that we offer here at Flourishing Grace where we dive into that. We'll offer it, I think, in early October of this year. We'll offer it again where we dive into that and we talk about um, 60 uh, different books, forty different, 66 different books, 40 different authors over a period of, of over thousands and thousands of years being written, telling one story. We dive into um, the early manuscripts that we have, the Hebrew manuscripts, the Greek manuscripts that we have and um, the, the differences in those manuscripts and, and all of the textual variants. We talk about all that in that class. We're not going to do that here. That's not what this, that's not what this series is about. This series is about Opening and understanding what this is. It's a beautiful and an amazing gift. This this series is about um, what every follower of Jesus should love their Bible. Every follower of Jesus should cling to every single word on every single page. They should delight to the moment of the day when they can pull away and they can immerse themselves into what God has for them that day. The word that God has for them that day. This, this series is about how, how, uh, how if, if we read the Bible correctly, there is a wrong way to read it. There's a right way to read it. If we read it correctly, it brings flourishing into our lives. It brings great joy and delight into our lives. It protects us from so many things um, and leads us into the right things that God has for us. Charles Spurgeon, uh, one of my favorite quotes from Spurgeon, he says um, he says this, he says, The Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to a person who isn't. The Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to the person who isn't. The Bible brings, when when we engage this regularly and often with God, it brings flourishing into our lives. The case I want to make this morning is that the Bible is an incredible gift from God that is to be enjoyed with Him every day as we read it with our whole hearts, And every time we open it, we are led into greater flourishing and protected from empty pursuits. It's an incredible gift from God that is to be enjoyed with him every day. And as we open it, we are led into greater flourishing and we are protected from empty, vain pursuits. That's what we're going to find as we open Psalm 119 this morning. So, if you got your Bibles open, Psalm 119, we're going to pick it up in verse 33 this morning, and we're going to see the beauty of this incredible gift. That's my hope this morning, is that you would see how beautiful this is. Psalm 119, verse 33. If you would, in honor and reverence of this word, if you would stand with me as I read it for us this morning. Psalm 119, verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I'll keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life In your ways, confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts and your righteousness. Give me life. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. You guys can have a seat. The first thing I want us to see this morning, the first thing I want you to see this morning um, is that to find flourishing through the word of God, we need God to engage our whole heart through his word. We need God engaged in this. We need him to join with us in this. I said earlier, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to read the Bible. And if God is not in your Bible reading, it's not going to be fruitful. It's not going to be fruitful for you. You're not going to find joy. You're not going to find flourishing there. You're not going to find delight there. God must join with us in this. In fact, every verse in this text um, invites God in. It asks God to engage the psalmist. The psalmist says, look at the first line of each verse, except for the last one, okay? Verse 33, teach me, O Lord. 34, give me understanding. Lead me in the path Incline my heart to your testimonies, turn my eyes, confirm to your servant, turn away reproach. Every line, every verse begins with a call to God to engage the reader in the reading of his word, to join with him in the process of reading the word the psalmist knows and understands that god must be the one who engages with him as he opens the word if he's going to understand it god must be there with him this gift this unimaginable incredible gift from god is meant to be opened with god it's been meant to be opened with god not alone with god right it's like when mom sends dad to the store to buy the christmas gift right what does dad come back with It's like the most complicated Christmas gift of all time, right? The thing that has like a million pieces and parts and puzzles. He's like, What in the world are you doing, right? Dad's like, Look, I got the Lego Death Star. One million pieces. Mom, isn't this amazing? He's gonna love it. And mom's just like, But he's four. Like, he doesn't know how to do that. He's like, no, no, it's fine, I promise, right? And he wraps up, right, what does dad want? Dad knows what he's doing. I mean, kind of knows what he's doing. I mean, not really, but kind of, right? Dad wants to engage with the gift with his son or daughter, right? He wants to engage with the child in the opening, in the play of the gift, it's, it's not meant to be alone. It's not meant to be like, okay, go to your room and play with this thing. It's like, let's do this together. I love when Winston opens up new Legos and we kind of go through each page and I'm helping him and showing him. He's doing all the work. He's putting it all together, but I'm, I'm just kind of leading and guiding gently. Look, okay, where's this piece? Is that the right one? I don't know if that's the right one, bud. You might want to check and make sure that's the right one. Oh yeah, that's it. And he gets the joy of the, the end product and thinking that he did it on his own, but really I was engaged and I love being engaged. God loves engaging with you and me and his people as we open this gift that he has given us. He wants to be engaged. Teach me, show me, give me understanding, lead me and climb my heart, turn my eyes, confirm to me, turn me away, right? He wants to be engaged as we open this gift. It's not meant to be done alone. Paul says in 1 Corinthians um, 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says, The natural person, the normal person, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Right? A normal person cannot understand the spiritual things. God must open our eyes so that we might know him and his beauty and his glory, that we might know the, the, the depths of this gift. We need God in this God, would you reveal your word to me that I might know it with my mind? I need God to join with me as I open this gift every day, every day, reveal it to my mind, but then it doesn't stop there. The second thing, so that's the first thing. That the psalmist understands that this gift is meant to be enjoyed with God, not alone. When we open it, our first cry, before we read a single word, God, join with me in this, teach me, show me, reveal to me what your word is for me today. That's the first cry. The second is this. The second is this. Don't let it stay here in my mind, but move it to my heart. Every single line is, is, the psalmist says, God, do this, then I will do this. You do this and I will do this. Just look at the first two lines. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I will keep it to the end. The next line, 34. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. It's not meant to just be something that we read. The Bible is not something that we just kind of open up and read and stare at and look at and try to understand. No, we invite God into it. And then we say, okay, if you are in this, if you reveal this to me, if you show it to me, then move it to my heart that I might walk in your ways, that that, 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 that the way I think and the way that I act would be transformed, that I'd be shifted and I'd become more like Christ as I open your word. Every single time we open the word, there's a deeper purpose than just Knowing. Transformation is the goal. Not just knowing. Yes, I want to know the word. I want to meditate on it. I want to memorize it. But if I just know it, ultimately it's incomplete. It's meant every time I open it, it is meant to change my heart. Again, it's like it's like the kid who unwraps the lego death star on christmas morning it's like look at this thing it's huge it's amazing a million pieces this is awesome and he sits in the corner and pulls up a chair and just kind of sits down and stares at it mom's like what are you what are you doing He's like i'm just looking at it i'm just like reading about it i'm looking at the pictures i'm studying it i'm learning everything that there is to learn about this thing no kid does that so it be so weird. I'd be freaked out if my kid did that, right? The kid rips open the presents, ravishes the living room which is paper, and there's Legos from one end of the house to the other. And you're just like, no, you're gonna lose all the pieces, right? It's meant to be played with and enjoyed and delighted in, not just stared at. We're not just meant to know it, We're meant to engage our whole life and then we're supposed to wade into it and play and find delight and find joy. And that's the third thing. So the first thing is this. We're meant to do this with God. We invite him into it. And then then we say, God, don't just just let this be in my mind, but move it to my heart. In fact, John Piper, who's a pastor, theologian in uh, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, says this. He says, "Um, let the heartbeat of your Bible reading be this simple prayer. Lord, move this from my head to my heart. Let the heartbeat of your Bible reading be this simple prayer. Lord, move this from my head to my heart. Don't just let this stay here. Join with me in this. Reveal it. Show me it in my mind that I might understand it. But then move it from my head to my heart. So that, so that I might find delight and joy in flourishing in the gift. That's the next piece. That's the next piece. God reveals to us. The glory of God in His Word and leads us into the path of enjoying God, enjoying Himself. Look at the next line, verse 35. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Commandments, plural, it, singular. It's not the commandments alone that the psalmist is delighting in. It's far more than that. Lead me into the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. He is delighting in the whole process, this entire thing. When we we engage God, when we invite God into the opening of this gift, and he's there with us as as we read, and he's giving us the ability to understand and to know it, and then we ask God to move it from our heads to our hearts and we see it changing our lives and we begin to walk in the path of his commandments. It's changing the way that we, we act. It's shaping us into little Christ, people who are like Jesus. It's shaping us to be more like him. It's creating in us a greater treasuring of Christ. I delight in that, the psalmist says, all of that. I delight in the being with God in his word, in him working in his word, in this gift, in my life. And I see it, I see it happening. I delight in that. There's delight there, there's joy there. True, genuine joy, true, genuine delight is found in this gift. This gift leads us to flourishing. It leads us before the glory of God. It ultimately fulfills the thing that every single human being on earth is looking for. Every single person in this room, every single person in your neighborhood, in your, in your, in your place of work, and your family, they're all looking for the same thing, and it's found here. Pascal, who was a French mathematician, philosopher, theologian in the 1500s, says it this way. And if you've been around, you've heard me use this quote before because I love it, and it's true. He says this, he says, All men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. No matter matter what, what, no matter what way you try to attain happiness, we're all looking for the same thing. The cause of some going to war and others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object, happiness, delight, joy. This is the motive of every action of every man, even those who hang themselves. And yet, Pascal says, and yet after such a great number of years, we've been been pursuing this thing for so long since the beginning of time. We've been pursuing this. No one without faith has reached the point to which all continually look. No one without faith, no one without this gift has ever reached it. All complain, princes and subjects, noblemen and commoners, old and young, Strong and weak, learned and ignorant, healthy and sick, of all countries, all times, all ages, all conditions. Every single person on earth is longing pursuing, chasing, believing that, that the next thing that they find is going to bring happiness, is going to bring joy, is going to bring delight, and it always fails. It always lets us down again and again and again. And this morning I can say this with confidence. Every single person in this room knows exactly what Pascal's talking about because we've all done it. We've all said this thing's going to bring delight, and it didn't. Maybe for a brief moment you're like, finally it's here, but then it wore off, and it failed you. It let you down. Everlasting, ever everlasting, never ending joy is only found in one thing, in one place. It's the glory of God. Out in the lobby, we have these uh, shirts uh, and that little merch stand for women, and they say, "They say, glorify and joy forever." And that comes from the, West, the Shorter Westminster Catechism. And the, the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism was designed for kids um, in the 1600s to help them understand who God is and who we are in light of who God is and, and how, to, how to walk according, how to live accordingly. And the first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism is this. What is the chief end of man? And the answer is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Glorify and enjoy forever. The, the, the the, the enjoy the everlasting, forever joy can only be found in one thing, and that's the glory of God. That's the only place that we find never-ending, unending, untappable, fully unknowable joy. We just keep searching, and there's just more joy. There's more delight there. In this book, this, this gift is all about the glory of God. It's all about the glory of God. It's it's not about the nation of Israel. Yeah, that's in there, but that's not as bad. It's about the glory of God. It's not about uh, David and Saul. I mean, yeah, they're in there, but it's about the glory of God. It's not even about the New Testament church. It's in there. It's all in there. But it's about the glory of God. That's what we're going to unpack next week. I can't wait. I'm getting ahead of myself. Next week, we're going to unveil. We're going to see the glory of God woven throughout this entire gift. And it's meant to bring us joy and flourishing and bring us into a right place before Him. That's where delight is found. That's where joy is found. Ever-ending, untappable, unimaginable joy. That's where the path Of this gift leads. Next, the Bible protects us from the trap of false delight and it brings us life. Look at verse 36 and 37. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Just read that again for us. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. And give me life in all of your ways. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Turn my heart to your stories. Reveal to me your stories. Show me your stories. Don't let my heart wander to the things of this world. Every single one of us, for every single Christian in the room, there's so many, there's so many of us and the question that I asked earlier shows it, right? There's so many of us that for the most part, for the most part, this this, un, this unbelievable, incredible, special gift sits on a shelf in our house collecting dust at least Monday through Saturday. Maybe we pull it away and bring it with us on Friday when we brush the dust off and... And we spend our lives chasing and pursuing things that Pascal talked about. We think happiness is gonna be found. If, if I could just get to this point in my career, then I would be, then there'd be joy and delight there. If I could just get to this point with my bank account, if I could just pay off these debts, that would be joy, that would be delight. If I could just find the special someone that I could spend the rest of my life with, that would be joy, that would be delight. If, If I could just buy this thing or acquire that thing, if I could just get to this place where I could retire, that's where joy is, that's where delight is. Our hearts are prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Constantly searching. Constantly looking, Augustine says in the first page of his confessions, the famous quote Our hearts are restless until they rest in him. None satisfied. Not one of those things will ever be an everlasting satisfaction of the heart, of the soul. Not one of them will. Incline my heart to your testimonies, incline my heart to your stories. And not the selfish gain. Don't let my heart chase and pursue these selfish things. Incline to your stories. Incline my heart. Remind me through this gift. Remind me that even though Adam and Eve, who you created beautifully and wonderfully, and rebelled against you, but you didn't give up on them. You drew them near and you clothed them just the same. You cared for them. You loved them. You watched out for them. You led them. You guided them. You raised up faithful men to engage humanity. You raised up Abraham who did not withhold from you. He did not withhold his only son. so He said, man, I, I, will, I will make a nation out of you. Your descendants will outnumber the stars of the sky and climb my heart to your stories. I climbed my heart to the stories of men like Moses, who you said, Man, you are gonna lead my people, the people that I love, that I care about, that I delight in out of slavery. I will rescue them, I will redeem them, I will bring them into the promised land. And even though they rebelled against you, even though they, even though they turned their backs on you, you kept pursuing, you fed them, you cared for them in the wilderness even as they endured your punishment, your love was there. Incline my heart to that, that I might know in my darkest hour that you are still here caring for me, watching over me, and that you will lead me into the fruit that you have for me. And even when your people rebelled against you and they turned their backs and said, we don't need a God, we need a king, we need a king, and they raised up a horrible king that drove your beloved people into the ground, you still pursued them. You still called after them. You raised up a new king, a good king, a right king. And even when he failed, even when he failed, you were there for him. You held him fast. You cared for him. Remind me in the midst of my failure that the God of all things still loves me and still pursuing me. Incline my heart to your stories. Incline my heart to, my, to your testimonies so that I would not pursue selfish gain worthless things. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Remind me that your way is the way of life. Show me in your word that I might follow after you and lay down my life before you, that I I might lay down my life and yet pick up new life in Christ. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared, Confirm to me that you are a God who keeps his promises. Show me that you are the God who delivers your people, who says, I'm sending a Messiah. I am going to send one who's going to come, who's going to rescue and restore. Show me that you're a God who keeps your promises. Reveal to me in Christ how you kept the promise that the Messiah would come, that he would be beaten and mocked and flogged and ripped apart and nailed to the cross. Show me that you are a God who keeps your promises. Confirm to me that you are a God who is coming back to rescue and to redeem, to judge the world, that we will stand and give an account to you, the almighty, holy God. Show me that. Now tell me what, that you may be feared. What man spends an evening searching and mining internet pornography when the promises of God have been confirmed to him? What woman turns her back on her husband when the promises of God have been confirmed to her? No, we stand in awe of him. We stand in awe of him, and we walk in obedience to him. So show me, open this gift, and show me sweet, sweet God, of all things, show me your promises and confirm them to me that I may live in awe of you in reverence that, I might, that you may be feared in my life. Turn away, the, turn away the reproach that I dread for your rules are good. Your rules are good, right? So many people think that this gift is not a gift at all. It's this box that God puts us in with all these rules and regulations to rob us of our joy. And in any moment, He's going to pour out His wrath upon us if we, if we get out of line, if we don't follow the rules. That's what this book is all about, right? I live on a busy street. I live right here in 4th North, just a little bit up the hill. Cars come flying down it all day, every day. Saturdays are crazy. We have a line in our driveway and Winston, who's four years old, we're like, Winston, do not cross that line. You are not allowed to go past that line. Winston's crazy, man. He's always running around. You guys, if you guys know him, you know. Um, He's just like this uncontrollable ball of energy. And so constantly I'm like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. Get, come back here. Dude, if you cross that line, listen, buddy, you're going to have to go inside. You're going to go timeout. Stop, 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 stop. Don't. You're getting too close, buddy. You're getting too close. Right? Winston, what are you doing? Get inside. Go inside. Why? Do I delight in pouring my wrath out on my son? Is that where my joy is found? Do I just love bringing him to tears? Do I I love forcing him to stop playing and go inside and be punished? Is that why? Or is it because my rules are good? That I long for his flourishing. I long to delight in him and for him to delight in me and I wanna keep him alive. I don't wanna get hit by a car. This work, this gift, there are rules in here. And the rules that we've kept lead us into flourishing. They lead us into joy and delight. And they save us. They save us from pain and sorrow. Behold, I long for your precepts and your righteousness give me life. The last line is the only line where the author that doesn't ask God uh, first to do something, he asks him second. He says, look, I long for this. And he turns around and says, in your righteousness, give me life. I long for this gift. I long for this gift. And so in your righteousness, as I open it, join with me in it. Reveal it to me. Give me the knowledge of it and move it to my heart so that in your righteousness, I might find life. And life is found here. It is found here. This book leads us, every story on every page points to the source of eternal life. Every story on every page, we'll talk about this next week, I'm not gonna get into it, every story on every page points to Christ and it leads us to Christ. It leads our children to Christ, it leads our teenagers to Christ, it leads you and me to Christ. It points us to eternal life, to the rescuer and the redeemer of all things, to righteousness, where is righteousness found? the gospel, the good news of Christ. Paul tells us in Romans 1, Romans 1, 17, he says, it's in the gospel that righteousness is revealed. Right? Romans 1, 17, for in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The whole thing leads us, points us, drives us to the revealing of the righteousness of God in the person of Christ. We're true Life is found, eternal life, delight and joy. This gift, this gift leads us to flourishing. This gift is greater than anything you ever have. The psalmist goes on. He says in multiple, multiple places in Psalm 119, it's more precious than gold, more precious than fine silver, again and again and again. This is so beautiful, so wonderful, so amazing. And yet so many of us have never actually learned to engage it. We've never learned to engage it. And there's so much more that we're going to unpack over the next few weeks here at Flourishing Grace. We're only scratching the surface today. I'm like trying to not get ahead of myself. I'm a little excited uh, this morning. I'm trying to, to not go there. We are going to unpack the beauty of the Word of God over the next four weeks here at Flourishing Grace. But my hope for you today is that you would start today. That you just begin today. When you came in, there was a bookmark that was given to you um, it looks like this. My prayer is, my hope is that you would take this bookmark and it's got a reading plan on it. We'll talk about that in a minute, um, that you would just begin today, that you would take this today, and that you would find a quiet place where you can go and you can sit and you can be still, and that you would engage today, that you would invite God in today, say, God, as I open this gift, would you be with me today? Would you move it from my head to my heart? Would you change the way I think and act? Would you lead me into delight? Would you lead me into joy? Would you lead me into flourishing as I submit myself to your word every day? Every person, every day, that's the goal. That's the goal. And so we've created a ton of resources. Um, we've purchased, bought, created a ton of resources for you and for your family. And I wanna talk a little bit about them, if that's okay. Okay. The first is this bookmark. When you came in, you should have received kind of two bookmarks, actually. If you didn't, there's a ton more out there on the table. You can grab them on your way out. Uh, one is the August daily reading plan. Okay, it's in green. Uh, that color will change as we move through the church calendar, right? So the other bookmark kind of shows you um, where we are in this and what this does. So this, this plan is a two-year plan, We're going to engage in together here at Flourishing Grace. Over the next two years, um, if you follow along, you'll read through the entire Bible together as a church over the course of two years. Um, It's a plan that follows the liturgical calendar, the church calendar. So it's not a plan that's chronological. It's not a plan that um, even follows the order of the Bible. It's a plan that follows the church calendar. So it prepares us as a church. It prepares our hearts. As we enter into seasons like Advent and Christmas, it prepares our hearts for that. And then as we move into um, Epiphany or Lent, it prepares our hearts for that, prepares our hearts for Good Friday and Easter um, and for Pentecost. It prepares our hearts as we move through the year together. um, This plan leads and guides us. It's it's our comfort there all summer long um, and kind of in the normal time. Um, It it is there with us and for us. And so this is something we're going to be doing together as adults here at Flourishing Grace, we're launching this today. If you didn't get one, make sure you grab one uh, on your way out. The other one kind of explains the whole plan to you. And so every month you will receive a new uh, bookmark. We actually even have it. Also, you can download it right on the home screen of your phone. You can see the whole plan there. We'll have that available online this week. So you can take it wherever you go. But this is not just about adults, right? It's about every person, every person, every day. So, so not, just, not just adults, but kids as well. We want our families to be engaged in the Word together. And so we have something for uh, preschool kids. Uh, We've developed, uh, Lindsay, our minister to kids and families, um, has developed a bookmark, a weekly bookmark, that if you have a kid in preschool, they will receive every single Sunday, they'll receive a new bookmark. And it's paired with um, the big picture uh, interactive bookmark. This Bible storybook, Big Picture Interactive Bible storybook. And we have copies of these available today right out here on the table. There's a ton of Bibles. There's, a, there's adult study Bibles, journaling Bibles, teen study Bibles. Um, there's, there's this Bible and other kids Bibles. And so we've paired this bookmark with this Bible. There's 145 stories in that. It's amazing, friends. I cannot wait to sit down with my boy Every night as we go to bed and open that up and just read these stories together each day, engaging in a new one. And over the course of a year, we'll go through, the, we'll go through this Bible uh, two and a half times together. Two and a half times. So if your kid's two to five years old, that's for them. We also have a, a plan for kids that are in elementary school. So this is five to ten years old. This blue book, Foundations, we are selling it today for half of what we paid for it. We said, man, we'll take a loss on that. We want your child to have that. And then we're pairing it with the big picture interactive Bible. And both of those are out there on that table. You can pick it up, you can look at it. Listen, even if you don't have kids that are in elementary, Pick up that blue book and look at it. It is amazing. Like I wish I had a kid that was at elementary age because it's so cool. It's this amazing workbook with all these like fun activities that they can do uh, with a family. I just, I love the idea of our families sitting around together, engaging in the Word together every single day. And so if you got a kid um, that's five to 10 years old, that's for them and we have it out there. Listen, if you are a parent and you can't afford that blue book, tell me, let me know. I will personally cover the cost of that. This is that important. It's more precious than fine gold and fine silver, as the psalmist says. And I will happily buy that for your kid in a heartbeat. Uh, we also have one for teens. It's the same thing, a little bit different. This is just for teens, and I love this um, this reading plan for teens. It takes them through uh, the whole Bible, but it also kind of helps them navigate some of the some of the heavier things or the more laborious pieces in a really beautiful way. So if you have a preteen, 10 to 16 year old, uh, 16ish uh, year old, this is this is for them. It's amazing. It's right out there. Um, and so we want to put resources in the, into your hands so that we can truly uh, answer this call. Every single person every single day in the word together uh, here at Flourishing Grace by the end of the year. Does that make sense, you guys? All right, all right, I love it, I love it. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I praise you. I praise you for your church, for the men and women in this room. Might we be people of the word? Might we not just think that this is some book, some ancient text, a list of rules, stories, but might we know the supernatural power and beauty and wonder that is within it? Might we be people who begin today reading it rightly inviting you into it, knowing that there's a purpose every time, every time that you engage with us in this gift. As we open this gift with you, there is a deep, meaningful, beautiful purpose for our lives. And so let us not be people who just, who just think about it. Let us not be scholars or theologians who, who just think, but let us be obedient servants who apply it to our lives. So move it from my head to my heart. Help me walk in your ways that I might delight in it that we might be people who delight in this. Let our children learn. Might the parents in this room teach their kids today the beauty of opening this gift with God. Might they be able to explain that to their kids about how it's not so much, it's meant to be something that we just read and know, but something that changes our lives. Help me as a dad reveal this, show this to my son well, teach him well, that he might grow up knowing your word, that his heart would be inclined to your testimonies, that he would find the richness of joy there, that he would know you from a young age, that his faith would not be my faith, that he wouldn't just follow on my coattails, no, that his heart would beat for the God of all things, for Christ and for the gospel, for the righteousness revealed to us. I pray these things in your name, in the sweet name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Friends, I want you guys go ahead and stand. I'm gonna dismiss us. Uh, On your way out, stop by that table, pick up that Bible for you or for your kid, get that reading plan. Look up here. Go ahead and stand up. Look up here. May the Lord bless you and keep you, friends. As you open the word this week, may he make his face shine upon you through the reading of his word. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go in peace. We love you guys. We'll see you all next Sunday.